We just sung about standing on the promises. Some of the promises we're standing on are the, are the Ten Commandments. We've been going through a series on the Ten Commandments, stopped kind of at Christmas time, and getting back to it this morning, we've, we've made it up to the Ninth Commandment, so we're, uh, we're, we're winding down slowly on that. Um, those of you who have been with us for a while, we've been trying as we get to a new commandment, review the Ten Commandments. We have a short version of that. Um, thought we'd try it one more time. Let's see how we do. I'm going to hold up the fingers and y'all say the right words, right? Number one, have no other gods before me. To make no idols. Speak well of God and for God. Keep the Sabbath day special. Honor. Commit no. Commit no. Commit no. Speak. Excuse me, I, I messed you up with the word. Tell no lies against our neighbor. And five, ten, do not covet. I can't even count the difference between five and ten. All right, well, good. This morning we're looking at the Ninth Commandment. There was a preacher who um, told his congregation, said, the sermon I'm preaching the next week, it really helped me if y'all read Mark 17 before next week. So the week arrives, and he asked his congregation, uh, how many of y'all were able to read Mark 17 before this morning? And nearly every hand went up. And then he said, well, you're exactly the people I need to talk to because I'm preaching on lying, and there is no Mark 17. There was a mom who said to her little girl, she said, uh, do you know what happens to little girls that lie? And the little girl said, yeah, they grow up to be mommies who tell their little girls, you'll get curly hair if you eat spinach. <laughs> you know, we're all used to lies. We are born with a de deceiving spirit. We're prone to lie. We need to acknowledge it. We need to recognize there's lots of times we lie trying to get out of stuff. God has given us the ninth commandment. Speak no lies against your neighbor. Tell no lies against your neighbor. To, to, to restrain us from hurting our neighbor. Because we're prone to. We're prone to speak lies. But the ten commandments are love commands. Teaching us how to love our God, how to love one another. And so this is a, a wonderful restraint put on us, saying, be careful what you say. You're prone to want to tear people down for all sorts of reasons. But I don't want you to speak in such a way as to be against your neighbor. Now, that little phrase, I wanted in our short version. Tell no lies. I didn't just say tell no lies. A lot of Ten Commandment short versions just says tell no lies. But I want us to think beyond that because it's very specific. Tell no lies against our neighbor. It's not just no lies. There's certain lies that are very appropriate. Uh, some of the theologians I read on this, Martin Luther and St. Augustine, they both had three categories of lies. There's this thing called humorous lies helpful lies, and then harmful lies. The ninth commandment's in that last category, in the category of harmful lying. Let me just give you the other two real quick. Humorous lying, that's the kind of lying where you're really not deceiving anybody. You're not going against your neighbor. You're playing by the rules that everybody understands. 
That's what an actor does. An actor is not giving you what they believe, what they would say, what would be their words. They are portraying somebody else's character and somebody else's words. That's deception, right? No, that's acting. It's called humorous lying, where its intention is to entertain. A comedian will say sometimes, back in my day, you should say, funny thing happened to me on the way to the office. Well, that comedian may not even have an office. But he, so he's not lying to deceive or be against us. He's just seeking to entertain. Theologian says, let's put that in the category of humorous lying. Second category, helpful lying. Uh, by the way, humorous, for those of you who love sports, in that same category would be sports. Let's say basketball, football, still big right now. And if you, do you tell your opponent what you're doing? No. You don't tell them your plays. You don't tell them your moves. Your intent is to deceive them. We call it fake them out. You look this way, you go that way. You put your feet that way, but you fake and go this way. That's in the category of humorous line. Its, it's, it's intent was entertainment. Its intent was to play that game. That's okay. It's not against anybody. Everybody understands the rules. Second category is helpful line. Helpful is when you've got an enemy, you've got an opponent that is more than a game opponent. This person is really going to try to attack you and the church. In those cases, it's helpful to lie. And you have a number of examples of that in the scripture. God even directing Joshua as he takes over the promised land at times, deceive your enemy. You go this way, they'll think you're, you're hurt, turn around and get them. You have that example with uh, when they went to Jericho, Rahab the harlot. She lied to the soldiers. She lied about the people coming from the promised land. The soldiers lie. They deceive. That's called helpful lying. Great example of it is the Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter 1. These two midwives were told to kill babies. The king comes to them. Did you do what I said? Oh, we did everything we could to kill them. We just couldn't kill them because they, they just were born so fast before we got there. They lied, and God praised them for lying, and even provided for them for lying. Helpful lying. It's not lying that's against their neighbor. It was to win the battle, to understand God has His people and those who are not His people. For those who are His people, this command is given to us to not speak against our neighbor. If we don't know the truth about our neighbor, we don't speak. If we don't really, there could be other possibilities that we, we think we don't speak against our neighbor. Why? I'll give you a couple verses to maybe the flip, the positive side of Exodus 20:16. speak no lies against our neighbor. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. One of my favorite verses because I need it so badly. Uh, need to always be reminded of it. Ephesians 4, verse 29 says, let no corrupting talk 
come out of your mouths. You wouldn't have to say that if you didn't realize you were prone to, for that to happen. But let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Here's the positive. Only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear. God wants us to be edified. The word for building something is an edifice. So I want you to speak the kind of words that create an edifice. That build people up. That strengthen them. The ninth commandment is don't use the words that tear down. And weaken my church. My body. Make sure you think about what comes out. Because you corrupt what I'm doing. I'm trying to build my church. And if you do something to tear it down. You're corrupting. That's corrupt talk. Only the words that should come out of our mouths. Are words that build up. That extend grace. And mercy. To God's church. His people. Our Neighbors, give you one other passage to think about. Look at Deuteronomy 19, 15 through 21. Deuteronomy 19, 15 through 21. It says, a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense. That he is committed only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord. Both the priest and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently. And if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, so they're becoming a ninth commandment breaker, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. I just want to see the category God puts this in. You become a ninth commandment breaker. God says, this is evil in your midst. And the rest shall hear and fear and shall never again commit any such evil among you. Your eye shall not pity. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Well, you get how serious God steps up the importance of the ninth commandment from the humorous category or the helpful category to what is harmful. What is harmful is really harmful. Destroys people destroys their lives, and their lives are destroyed by the words that come out of our mouth. You know, I was taught the phrase in school, uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That's a lie itself, because words do hurt. Words do matter. Words destroy. They are an evil in our midst that break down, and, and Break us down and break us apart. Good words that build up bring harmony. Words that tear down someone, you can pretty much figure out what they are because you'll start seeing division and disharmony and corruption and evil. And I, as, as I said, we start by saying, 
we do this. Now, why do we do it? I want to move to some reasons. We talked about what is lying. We know it's harmful, speaking of against things against our neighbor. Ways that we're involved in lying. The lie of fear, one of the primary ways we lie, or, or reasons why we lie, is because we're scaredy cats. Hey, uh, did you uh, hit Bobby in the eye? You know, Bobby's sitting over here with a black eye. No, I didn't do it. I don't, I don't have that happen. Why do you say that? I mean, Bobby says he did it. No, no, no. I don't know how that happened. Because you're afraid you'll go get it. If it's a lie of fear. We tell the lie because we're afraid of the consequences. I ask people, did, did you share that with your wife? You know, what we talked about not sharing with our wives. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't share it. And her wife's already talked to me about it, you know. I said, why did you just lie? I know why you lied, because your wife's going to kill you when she finds out. You're afraid. We're afraid many times of saying the truth, so we'll speak against others. And it's just because we haven't owned yet that we're so prone. And to speak lies, another reason... The lie for time management. Boy, this is one I used to commit all the time until I realized there were, there were better ways, truthful ways. The lie of time management. I would always give people false phone numbers and false emails. Say, can, I, can I have your email, sir? Sure. And I'd give them some bogus email. Can I have your phone number? Sure. I'd give them some bogus phone number. If you don't like people calling you, just block the number. That's so easy. I do that all the time. That's why you can't reach me. <laughs> you can easily tell, no, I, and I tell a lot of people, can I have your email? I said, no, really you can't. Um, my time's too precious to spend it on advertisements that I probably don't need. We can speak truth to others. We don't have to Lie because we're afraid it's going to mess up our time management. Uh, to me, that was a biggie, and I used to commit it. And said, God said, David, you could do this other ways and be truthful. Be, have a reputation for saying what's right and what's true. You can do it and still build people up without tearing them down. Another way we lie or what, is half-truths. Boy, that's so much in the political world. It could be in our world in so many ways. I hear, I hear uh, politicians, you know, talk about others that they're against. So you're against your neighbor and you say, well, that person, ever since he's been in office, we've been losing 100 jobs a day. Well, true? Yeah, it's true, but it's false in the sense that the previous administration was losing 300 jobs a day. Excuse me, not a day, a month. You say, he's now only losing 100 jobs a month. The previous was losing 300 a month. So he's actually improved us by 200 jobs a month. It's true that he's losing, still losing 100. But it's false in that you're misleading people that he's doing a bad job. He's repairing us. He's rebuilding us. And he's doing a good job. Many times we give out half-truths. Because the intent of our heart is somehow to tear people down. That's speaking a lie against 
our neighbor. By only giving out the part we want to give out to encourage others to think poorly of someone. Move to another category, the lie of what we profess to be. Serious one, we call it hypocrisy. You say one thing, do another. Some very specific verses on this. Look at 1 John. And that's the series we were in when we, we stopped to pick up the Ten Commandments. And I'm, Lord willing, going to get back to 1 John. We only made it to the beginning of chapter 2. But let's look at 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 4. 1 John 4, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 4 says, If we keep His commandments, whoever says, excuse me, verse 4, Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, he's a liar. Truth's not in him. So in reading that commands many months ago, I said, I don't want us to all be liars. It's assumed we know the commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments. So I know Jesus. I'm living for Jesus. You don't even know the commandments, man. How, how can you say you're living for Jesus? You're living like hell. You're not living like heaven. How do I know that? Because you're not keeping any of the commandments. How does God solve that? He says the person who says he's living for Jesus and is not living according to the standard of the Ten Commandments, he's lying. He is a liar. You can't say one thing and not be. If, if, if you are in Christ, God has transformed your heart to the place that you start loving His Word and you hunger and thirst for it and you want more and more of it and you want to know His standards. You want to know what He expects of you. You want to know how to love Him. You want to know how to show gratitude. God, how do I respond to you for saving me? And Exodus 20 comes up, well, I saved you, I brought you out of Egypt, I put you in a wonderful place, and what you could do for me is have no other gods, make no idols. And you go through the ten, you say, oh, these are love commands. These are ways I respond. Well, some people say, oh, I don't need, I don't need a law, man, I don't need the commands. God says to that person, you're a liar. You're saying one thing, you're living differently. Number six, the lie to self. Sometimes we just, we want to rationalize what we want to do. So we lie to ourselves. It's tragic in times of uh, unplanned pregnancies. I've seen people who are just adamant, adamant, adamant. Always wanting me to preach against abortion. And then when they have an unplanned pregnancy, they go and have an abortion. So, wait, what just happened here? Well, you know, I, I know it's wrong for other people, but I was in a particular situation. Yeah, I, okay, get it. We lie to ourselves sometimes. I've had uh, homosexuals in this room just come up after I preach and say, why don't you ever preach on abortion? Why don't you ever preach on this? Why don't you preach on that? And they're just constantly criticizing me. And then I find out they're homosexual. And... They never said to me, you know, at once. At some point, they asked me to preach on everything but that. And I, and I actually said to a few men, are you a homosexual? Yeah, how'd you know? Because you want me to preach against everything but that. I said, you're lying to yourself. God is very specific about that sin that you're caught in. And it's hurting you. And it's destroying you. Lies against self will destroy you. 
You're rationalizing sin. I don't know what your sins are. But ask yourself, are you lying to yourself so that you can do your sin? You've convinced yourself, I I just got to do this. There's no other way. I've got to say Say it this way. I know it's against my neighbor, but I just have to. And many times we are in a state of delusion uh, because we're lying to ourselves. Um, you remember Jeremiah 17, 9? Very popular verse. The heart is desperately wicked. Deceiving ourselves. We do that. We deceive ourselves. Uh, we lie to ourselves so that we could do what we want to do. And then a couple other passages real quick. Lying to God. Proverbs 12, verse 22. It, and where I'm coming from here is the Ten Commandments. It seems like the first four commands are about loving God. And then the next six are about loving each other. So even though the Ninth Commandment is in the category of speak no uh, lies against our neighbor. It's in the man, woman, human category. There also lies in uh, the divine category as well. Let's look at Proverbs chapter um, 12, verse 22. Proverbs 12, verse 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. God says, I love it when you're faithful. You're not destroying what I'm creating. You're faithful to me, what I do. You know, lying destroys it. It's an abomination. I hate it. Give you one other passage, Acts chapter 3. Probably the most famous lie in history of the church. Acts chapter 5, excuse me. Um, And there's a, a phrase here I'd never really seen before, but it, it's in verse 3. It says, what happened is Ananias and Sapphira sold some property, and they, they gave the proceeds to the church, but they only gave part of the proceeds. They didn't have to give any of them, probably. They give their tithe, but they didn't have to give all of that. They gave a portion to the church, but they told the church they gave everything. Everything I sold, I gave. I'm a 100% giver. And we pick up the story, verse Peter, verse 3, Peter says to Ananias, catch this phrase, I hadn't ever seen this before. Why has Satan filled your heart? Has your heart ever been filled by Satan? That's the category of lying to God. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. Both Ananias and his wife Sapphira lied. Their hearts were filled with Satan to say something against God and his church. Their lies, harmful, hurtful. Why is it, if I could sum it up, why is lying so bad? I think two things that just stick out to me. Number one, it's contrary to God's nature. God just hates it because it's just contrary to who He is. Contrary to His nature completely. 
God, the Holy Spirit, in John 4, is referred to as the Spirit of truth. That's His nature, truth. Jesus Christ, John 14, says, I am the way, the truth. I am the truth and the life. And Hebrews 6, Titus 2, says, God the Father is impossible for him to lie. Just can't. His nature is truth. So God doesn't want us to lie because it, we're supposed to be little Christ. We're supposed to be remade in his image. We're supposed to be like him. He doesn't lie. It's impossible. It's against his nature to lie. Our nature in sin, our nature before Christ is prone to deception. I think little babies, when they're born, they're crying out that they need something. They don't need nothing. They're lying. First word out of their mouth. Lie. That's our nature. Our nature is to lie. God says, it shouldn't be now that you're in Christ. Speak no lies against your neighbor. Second reason, not only because it's contrary to God's nature, it is like his number one opponent. It's like Satan. John chapter 8, verse 44, he says to the Pharisees, he said, you're just like Satan. He is the father of lies. You come around talking and you're just speaking lies. Half-truths, trying to rationalize stuff through your words. You're speaking lies and lies and lies, and they hurt, and they destroy. So how can we respond? The ninth commandment is about love. So number one, respond by pursuing a love for your neighbor. Let's respond by saying, God, I'm going to start pleading for this person I'm most prone to say something bad against. I got to deal with that. And God, I, I'm, I'm going to start pursuing love with that person. Speak to me, lead me, direct me to love my brother and sister and my neighbor. Teach me how to lay down my life for them. Teach me how to know what their concerns are so I can build them up. So I can strengthen them. Because no word should come out of my mouth that doesn't do that. And I need to be gracious to them. They are far from perfect, but so am I. So let me speak words that, that really extend grace to them. And let them know. That my prayers, my concerns, my actions will be for them, not to tear them down, but to build them up. Number two, we must learn to stand up in defense of our neighbor and truth. Don't let falsehood go unchecked. When people are tearing down another and you know the truth, we've got to stand up. And protect our neighbor. You know, Peter did that on the day of Pentecost. And people said, oh, those apostles, they're drunk. They're drunk. Peter says, they're not drunk. He stands up against a mob. Willing to crucify again. He says, no, they're not drunk. They're full of the spirits, what they are. He knew the truth. 
We need to learn to stand up against the truth. Or take someone else that did it in a hard place is Jonathan, King Saul's son, who should inherit the throne, the kingdom after Saul. Then David shows up. And everybody knew David was going to be king. Even Jonathan knew God had called David to be king. Saul is furious and starts speaking against David Every time they're having a dinner, where's that old David? You know, and he's just speaking against him. And at some, he's, he's just going to destroy my kingdom. And at some point, Jonathan stands up and says, Dad, that's wrong. David is not going to destroy your kingdom. He's going to lead this kingdom. He is God's chosen. That's hard to do. Especially to your dad. Especially someone so close. Especially when you have all to lose. But that's loving your neighbor, it's loving the truth, it's loving God. That's how this command brings us back to a, a great place of love. Number three, we need to also develop a hatred for falsehood. I ask God many times, Lord, give me your love and then also give me your hatred. I want to love what you love. I want to hate what you hate. So that I can be more like you. And there are things that God hates. Um, we've seen it. He says, lying lips are an abomination. In Proverbs 12. In Proverbs 13, he says, The righteous hates falsehood. But the wicked brings shame and disgrace. This wicked evil of falsehood, it brings people shame. It brings disgrace. The righteous hate that. We don't want to shame one another. We don't want to disgrace one another. We want to build one another in Christ. Um, then number four, give thanks to God for His truthfulness. There's only one person who's never told me a lie. There's only one person who's never told you a lie. And that's God. God always speaks the truth. He's never, not once, ever told you something that wasn't true. Our God loves the truth. There's no one like that. We must confess, when I see God, I see truth. When I look at me, I see lies. God is a God who loves the truth. He stands up for the truth. Because the truth is what builds His church. It's what builds His cause. It's what fills the glories of heaven. I want to share with you a story in Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7. It's the story of Stephen. And I won't, I won't read it all to you, but let me, let me read a portion of it. Acts chapter... I'll read, I'll read the portion in Acts 7. Just kind of get you in to what's going on here. Verse... Uh, Let me, let me start at verse 53. Isaiah, excuse me, Acts uh, 7, verse 53 says, 
you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged. They heard truth. They were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears. I don't know how they did that. Made earplugs, put their hands on their ears. They don't want to hear. And they rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of the young man Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out the Lord Jesus. Called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep or he died. Now, in chapter 6 that I didn't read, they started, they, they, they paid false witnesses to come forward against Stephen. He's on trial. And people are encouraged to say false things against him. The people in front of him are ninth commandment breakers. Church people who have been encouraged to speak a lie against Stephen, your neighbor. And Stephen keeps preaching. And he keeps preaching. And he People stand up, but this, this, this is against you. He keeps preaching. And at some point, we get to where I read for you. And he says, y'all aren't keeping the commands. Goodness. Specifically, he doesn't say it, but there's a ninth commandment where you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. And, and they don't want to hear it. Putting the hands on their ears. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the truth. And because they don't want to hear it, they miss Jesus. Stephen says, I see Jesus. And because none of you here have stood up for me, I see Jesus. And Jesus is standing. Jesus is more than a conqueror. And he is standing at my defense. The judge of all the earth. The judge of heaven and hell is not just sitting behind the bench watching. He is now standing. When the judge of truth, the judge of all the earth, stands to make a defense, all witnesses are done. He says, and I see him opening heaven for me and acquitting me. In my prayers, I saw this ninth commandment breaking session in Scripture. I said, Lord, I pray for New Covenant Church. I pray that we would all see Jesus standing. 
that we would see Jesus defending us because we've all been through the hurt of things spoken against us. You know, I, I hear good comments. Don't, don't catch this in an unbalanced way. I hear comments every week. Already heard comments this morning. David, great sermon. Loved what you preached on this time, this time, whatever. And I, I value those expressions of love and appreciation greatly. But I also hear the comments, man, I hated what you said this morning. I think you're a little bit greedy myself. Or I think you're selfish. Or I think you're trying to manipulate us. And those words are against me. And they hurt. And you've had people say stuff like that. You can't live on this earth and not have it. Because that's their nature without Christ. And that's what I mean is that when you hear those words... I want you to look up to your leader. I want you to look to Jesus. Confess our sins. And then see his glorious Savior transforming us to be more and more like him. See that he stands to defend us against those who rail at us. Seek him. Praise him. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for a Savior who never leaves us to fight our battles alone. That always you protect, always you defend those passionate for the truth. Those passionate to build the church, to support and strengthen the neighbor. Father, forgive us. That when we look at ourselves, we see lies. Lord, let, we, let us see more and more of your truth. May it embody us more and more. Father, let us turn from our deceptive ways. Let us turn back to your truth and righteous ways. Forgive and have mercy. Cleanse. Father, for those in this place that uh, have never seen truth. Not even sure it was possible that anyone had it. We're in a world that thinks it's relative. You just make it what you want it to be. For those who need the standard of truth, let them see they need Jesus. Lord, and let them be drawn by your grace there now. We ask all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.